0: Hello everyone. We're back. Uh, we got Nick back from Unstoppable. Um, if you guys have been following our content, you know that we really love what uh, Nick and them are doing. Um, you know, just an open, transparent and most importantly down-to-earth crew who are out there building and have been building furiously. Nick, it's great to have you back. How are you? you very
1: much. Yeah, great to be here again. Yeah all good so far um as we just said already before the stream market conditions are a bit rough um but other than that uh yeah everything good
0: good um I mean before we we kick off kind of specifically around you know what's been happening within unstoppable and you know the progress that you guys have made I wanted to just get your thoughts around something that I've been asking people a lot about recently is that do you think that the Bitcoin Harvening will have a significant, And what I mean by significant, I don't mean, like three or four weeks of like, positive, you know, sentiment, do you think we'll see something, perhaps a catalyst or something that's kind of like more sustainable over a longer period of time leading up to it? Um, that's a good question. So
1: I'm, I'm not sure if the halvening is going to be the main driver. Uh, like overall, I'm, I'm very bullish. Um, I don't know exactly the time frame of when the next, uh, bull is going to really start, but if we are looking at fundamentals, then both for Bitcoin, but also for ETH, everything is like looking really good. So I think sooner or later reality will have to catch up with that. Uh, even if the current prices don't quite reflect that, uh, maybe it's going to be the happening that's the catalyst and that will shoot, shoot, uh, the the next market cycle uh, or it might be the ETF approvals or it might be the macro situation in general and uh, the global financial politics that are going on. And depending on what central banks are going to do next and all of that, Um, I'm certainly no macro expert, but I do keep an eye out and um, listen to, to some people who I believe have a good understanding of what's going on there and uh, pretty much all of them are super bullish um in the mid to long term so short term i don't know (laughs) mid to long term we're going to be in a good place i think
0: yeah very very interesting take on that um i actually would have bet that you would have been more bearish but it's great to hear that you are bullish um I'm a little bit, I haven't really made my mind up yet. I'm going to speak to more big brands like you, and then I'll eventually arrive at a conclusion. But people seem to think very similar thoughts to yours, of all those that I've spoken to, so here's hoping. Um, but obviously, with you know this down, downturn and things being really difficult, we've seen a lot of great building going on in the space. I think you guys have demonstrated that. and And I wanted to just essentially reflect on know this journey that began a few months ago and and you guys had you know certain goals and certain certain aspirations and a vision that you wanted to fulfill and i wanted to just you know reflect upon that almost like a a check-in on you know what the intention was i think you've stayed true to what you were always meant to do and what you wanted to do that hasn't changed but obviously the roadmap or the stops along your road road map have changed, and I wanted to just, you know, sort of go to the beginning and, and see how it's progressed, where you guys were and where you guys are now, and then we can then come back to you know where you guys want to be and just take it from there. Yeah, so good. Uh,
1: so when we started Unstoppable, we uh, set out basically. Uh, three main goals, or or in the light paper, we called them the three pillars that we want to build. Number one was the unstoppable DEX, Um, um, a a form of leveraged spot trading that will allow single-sided LPing and and margin trading, leveraged spot trading. Um, The second pillar is the unstoppable bridge. This is where we saw the need to better integrate the the real world with the crypto world and really, yeah, bring bring these two worlds closer together so that the people that are currently not participating in crypto can, can easier enter the space. And also for all of us who are already in the space that we can actually utilize that space and, and, and the value that we have on chain, for example, a lot more also in our daily lives. And then the third pillar um, was the unstoppable wallet uh, or is the unstoppable wallet. Um, and that's basically where we saw from the beginning the need to really reduce the barrier of entry and improve the user experience, the UX. And only through that we believe uh, will it be possible to really get more and more people on the chain and uh, really grow grow that market, grow the overall participation in the market, give people access to the opportunities in this uh, space. And uh, yeah, that's basically what we initially set out to do. And uh, it's still what we are doing, what we have been doing, and what we are continuing to do. So the first part, uh, Dex. Uh, Spot Dex has been live already for quite a while now. Uh, Margin Dex, we had some delays, but it's also pretty much done and ready to be deployed. Um, the bridge is work in progress, and there we have to uh, more or less, unfortunately, uh, uh, deal a lot with the TreadFi world and the regulators and all of that stuff. And that's just a slow and uh, sometimes very frustrating process, but we are making progress there. And sooner or later, we will have um, a, a licensed crypto exchange entity set up that will then allow us to um, yeah, to um, get a banking partner and then build this integration, the deep integration that we want to have between crypto, between on-chain assets and off-chain assets, and then also tokenize new assets. All of that will be possible through the bridge sector. And yeah, the wallet part, initially we thought that would come quite a bit later so that we really focus more on these first products um, for the on-chain users, for the current crypto natives. And then as a subsequent step, we then build out that wallet and um, improve the UX to the point where uh, the the normies can also participate. But uh, yeah, now the bear market. Plus the initial uh, development that we did on that front has just shown us um, how big the potential there is. So yeah, as I said, bear market is one aspect. So the, over the past few weeks and months, we have seen that there is very little on-chain trading happening and uh, both on, on the spot, but also on the, on the leverage side, there's like one or two bigger project, established projects that have some volume. Uh, All the other ones I see, the numbers that they put out, it's either outright wash volume or they are paying users, incentivizing users to use the platform because the platform itself is not good enough, um, that people would willingly (laughs) choose to use it. Um, And uh, That just uh, has shown us how, what we initially thought would be a later step, how important that actually is, um, that we really grow that market from the beginning and get new people in and Basically, create our own trading volume and order flow for our DEX uh, infrastructure layer. Um, And that will then help us to create value um, for the community um, and the project. So, yeah, uh, I think overall uh, everything has been going as as we initially thought it would. So, the direction didn't change. We didn't pivot anywhere or I had to make major changes. The only thing that uh, kind of became more clear now along the way was just um, that that this uh, reducing the barrier of entry and improving the UX, that this is actually so much more important even than we thought, like we knew it would be important and we knew this is actually the the big step that Unstoppable is gonna contribute to this space. Um, But now this has shown us, okay, this is actually something that we wanna go all in right now and not at a later stage. So. Yeah, uh, the DEX, Unstoppable legs, and Unstoppable Bridge are basically gonna be the infrastructure layers that we already built up and are continuing to build up. Um, and then on top of that is gonna sit that product, which is gonna be, yeah, what we initially termed the Unstoppable Wallet. It will eventually have like two variations. One will be geared really towards the traders. So it's gonna be a, a really nice mobile trading app that will allow anybody to trade on the blockchain decentralized self-custodial um and it will feel like they are using a centralized exchange or any fx exchange uh, or fx broker or things like that um and then the second variation that we are going to build uh, after that is going to be the one that is really going to be focused on the, the the normies uh the people who might have heard uh, about crypto and might be interested but they don't really have the technical knowledge and the time or willingness to really get uh, get into the details. For them, we are going to build like a, a super simple version of that that will allow them also to pr- participate, also in a self-custodial way. Um, and the, the internal goal that we have there is is uh, like a bit tongue-in-cheek, but uh, the goal is to have an app with two buttons. One is going to be uh, Invest, and one is going to be Earn and that's kind of the 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 vision that we are working towards of course it will be a bit more complicated eventually but um, this is the kind of simplicity that we are going to strive for on that front
0: so I mean there's obviously there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there um I wanted to just kind of like go to the the first one and that's the decks and obviously like on the face of it it just seems like that's where the most work up until now has come in. I mean, I've been on the Alpha test on the Alpha site itself. Um, And for anyone who's listening or watching, uh, just go check it out. I mean, it's really very intuitive, very easy to 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 navigate from a, you know, from a pure spot trading perspective and then even like something that I really enjoy and like will be super valuable at some point in time is obviously the DCA in the dollar cost averaging strategy that you guys have built. Um, So it seems like that's been through the trials and tribulations in terms of getting that right. You obviously spoke about UX and and obviously in turn the UI of the whole thing. What do you think are still the biggest challenges that you guys are facing, especially with the UX side of things? Or is it something that you guys feel like you've managed to get a grip on? Or is it constantly like, okay, this is something that we we still need to get right?
1: That's a good question. So uh, I think we are already on the right track. Uh, I also think that almost always UX can still be polished a bit more and improved a bit more. So I don't pretend like we have the ultimate version and know everything. Um, I guess one of the challenges when it comes to that is that when it comes to certain elements, um, there's a lot of personal preference. That's something we saw. So we had one or two elements in, in the UI that just started out uh, in one version. And then we got some people saying, this is uh, not as intuitive. Uh, we should do it a different way. So we changed it. And then there was another group of people who said, uh, this is not intuitive at all. Can you change it back? So that's one of the challenges. And probably also why why there is no such thing as perfect UX. Um, it will always depend on, to some extent, on the users, uh, their experiences with other platforms, what they are used to, uh, and, and things like that. Um, yeah, w- right now we are basically making the step to, as I said, to go all in on the mobile version of it. So that will again allow us to experiment a lot, but also to to um, use a lot of really cool features that are possible on, on touch devices, basically, um, that are not as possible on a, on a desktop. Um, or where they need different uh, patterns, UX patterns on a on desktop version. Um, I think it's going to be a continuous process. Um, we, we are always open for feedback and criticism, uh, especially if it's constructive and if, if people can say, tell us this uh, is not good and here's why and here's potentially how to make it better. But um, we also realize we have to be careful that we don't act too quickly just based on on a few uh, people who might not find it super perfect UX, uh, just because there's always uh, another um, group of people who, who find it good, and they don't necessarily say that. So when when you're only listening to the people who, who don't find it intuitive, then, then um, those are usually um, more willing to share that uh, than the ones who basically have no issue at all and find it uh, great to use. Um, so I guess that's that's just one of the, the things with UX. Hopefully that will get easier as we get more users, so then we can uh, collect a bit more statistics and, and make a bit more data-driven decisions. Right now it's still a, a smaller amount of users where we have to uh, both make decisions ourselves, where we think uh, the correct approach is, and then be careful about uh, listening to the feedback uh, in the right way.
0: Tommy, Nick, from a... From a um an interactive perspective we've obviously found that like something that's really like impactful is to involve community uh obviously in what what it is that you're saying whether it's discord and and you obviously get a great reflection at the same time do you have anything in mind for when you are closer to you know a product that is more robust and you feel is ready for a larger audience to incentivize users on the platform that is unstoppable? Is that something that's kind of on your agenda? I mean, I know that you're not busy enough at the moment and you obviously don't you obviously need more work to do here. So I was just wondering, you know, is this something that you've considered? Is it something that's part of your strategy in terms of incentivizing users um, to attract them, but more importantly to get that that data driven, you know, aspect that you most certainly will need to make those those obviously wise decisions? Yeah.
1: Um, so, two, two parts of an answer to their questions, no, number one is, um, of course, crypto with uh, native token emissions has given us an interesting tool to bootstrap usage, to get users on the platform um, and, and to incentivize users early on. At the same time, I think a lot of projects are relying on that way too much and they don't really get an actual uh, sustainable business into place. Um, and at some point, either they're going to die through the emission and deflations, or um, they end up with uh, pants down and no business model, no product that's actually able to generate revenue for the protocol beyond that point where incentivized users are using it because of the incentives and not because of the product. So, yes, we definitely uh, are going to incentivize people to try it out and to uh, yeah give us feedback and things like that. But at the same time, I, I personally am very strong on the side that the goal is to have a self-sustaining model as soon as possible that is really driven by the actual usage and the actual value the product brings to the people and uh, not pretend like there's a lot of usage or a lot of interest, uh, but people are just here farming. So yeah, both a yes, but also a no. <laughs> I think um, it has its time and place to, to be used as a bootstrap um, tool but uh, it also needs to be uh, yeah used carefully and um consciously that uh, it's it's not just uh, something that can replace an actual good product or an actual product with a business model
0: i think you bring like like something really important to the fore that people don't often talk about and that is the level of civil civil that happens the level of watch trading that happens the level of you know, it's no different to you know, people who buy likes and followers on social media platforms to people buying the same aspect or the same reflection of their business, you know, within say a DEX component. And and I understand why people do that, but at the end of the day, it's not sustainable, like you've said, and it's and 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 it's it's interesting how even though people might suspect it, they almost like put it, you know, behind them and they put it like in the back seat and they they kind of like, okay, well, this DEX is doing volume and I'm happy using it, despite the fact that they might suspect that it's a whole lot of wash trading and the rest of it. Do you think that we will ever reach a point where people will be educated enough to the extent that they actually like have the eyes wide open? I mean, is that like something that you see happening or do you think it's just something that will just continue and maybe even get worse going forward?
1: I think um, to some extent that, like like you mentioned the social media followers, for example, that's a great uh, simple example of that happening. And I think there is something uh, very innate in our brains when we see a large number that means it's good, something like that. Um, and that's probably happening even before a lot of that conscious mind kicks in. And so, so it really requires some effort to, to consciously think about, does that make sense that this Twitter account has this many followers? Like if, if there, if it has like 80,000 followers and, and I only know three or two, uh, people, people that I know follow them, then, then I know, okay, there's something weird going on, um, for example or if we see the engagement on the post versus their uh follower number and things like that but it does require some conscious thinking and analysis of of things like that um yeah i don't know i'm of course i I wish uh, that we would come to the point where people actually see that more as a red flag if uh, accounts have a lot of uh, followers but very little engagement for example uh, or, in general, if it has a lot of followers, but you've never heard of it, um, even though you are very active in the space, that's kind of a red flag in itself um, and the same when when you look at volume numbers of of exchanges or protocols um, yeah, I would love it if if we get to the point where people um, intuitively uh, are more skeptical around some of that stuff uh, I'm not sure if it's gonna happen I think there uh the reason why people keep doing it is because it is working at least for a certain target user group um and uh yeah so <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh, the one thing i can say is that we are never gonna buy followers and we are never gonna do watch trading <laughs> but beyond that uh yeah we'll see we've always tried to to be genuine and to uh, uh yeah grow organically um and really try and do the right thing and I do it because I think eventually, at the end of the day, this is going to pay off, uh, even if uh, the short term might be uh, a bit of a more difficult road, uh, it might seem easy to just buy buy a few followers or get some volume numbers up there by paying people to to trade on your product. But um, yeah, that's I don't think it's the right thing to do, and I don't think it adds any value in the long term. Uh, it works great for pump and dumps, but not if you are trying to build a real protocol with a real product
0: is there a way to kind of determine who's doing this kind of stuff or like, especially from a, from a, from a Dex perspective, is it like obvious or is it quite a difficult thing to discern?
1: Um, I think there's different layers of that. Um, yeah. The, with the followers, I said it, like, if you've been in the space and have a good, uh, list of people that you follow in the space, for example, yourself with your own account, and then you see a big account and there's only like, very few people of those those you know following them that would be an easy to detect red flag. Then again the, the ratio between followers and the engagement, the likes and the responses on on tweets yeah. and stuff uh, is an easy metric to just take a quick look at. You can just scroll the, the main feed on on that account real quick and see and if if they have eighty thousand followers and eight likes then something is probably not quite right. Um, and uh, for the volumes, I mean, the best thing is probably to look at the, the real volumes that are happening, like maybe historic volumes of something like GMX V1, for example, and then you have some kind of reference. And if now a new protocol uh, comes up and, and they claim to do in the first uh, three days uh, as much as GMX did in, in their prime in the bull market, then uh, yeah, I would take that with a grain of salt.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely makes sense. Um, I love the fact that you, you've, you've focused on, I mean, you see the value of obviously incentivizing and the rest of it, but you're more focused on what is my product market fit? Does it work? Are people are people gravitating towards it? And more importantly, are they coming back and using it again? I mean, that's something that you can, you can monitor and that you can obviously hold account too. And and I think that I personally think we need more of that in the space, because that's how you get a better user experience. And then you can evolve to, you know, to the, in my opinion, I think you're very brave to approach the mobile aspect of things There's there haven't been many protocols that have done that. But I think the ones that have are very much of the understanding that mobile is the single most important medium, especially for the majority of the population and, more importantly, for normies. Um, I really like what Change Protocol have done. Like they've kind of like, you know, they're just quietly chipping away. But they, I think they're a very good example of a protocol that really understood the importance of introducing the mobile aspect and then, you know, obviously creating kind of like those liquidity bridges. And it's not unlike anything that you guys are doing. I mean, obviously, You're looking more from a pure trade perspective as well as as obviously providing liquidity across chains. But I wanted to just go into the bridge. And I think obviously, like, you know, we've got the DEX, which is the one building block, and just putting it all into perspective. You obviously need a bridge so that you can obviously prevent fragmented liquidity. Um, I'm assuming that's the reason why you guys are doing that. But just let's just talk about, like, from an infrastructure perspective, why the bridge and how does the bridge Kind of facilitates you know essentially I would imagine like a flywheel effect around your infrastructure and the way that the protocol will ultimately work. Tell us about it and what your thoughts are.
1: Yeah, so uh, maybe uh, to start off, um, the unstoppable bridge is is not uh, a crypto bridge, not a cross chain bridge uh, um, in its core. It's going to be the bridge that really bridges the crypto space in the real world. So, this is why oh, okay. on that front, okay. we are setting up a, a regulated entity that will be able to work with a banking partner and will be able to provide that fiat infrastructure, the credit card infrastructure, and that will allow us then to, to really bridge these two worlds and make a lot of the stuff that we are building on chain really also usable by extension in, in the real world. So, that's the primary driver of that an aspect. But um, when that is in place, uh, that will allow us also to, to do novel things like tokenizing certain assets, um, and bringing them on chain, maybe they exist already. Maybe they don't exist. And it will also allow us to provide wrapped, um, versions of certain tokens on one chain that, uh, don't exist there. Um, this is all going to come a bit later though. So the primary focus in the initial version of the bridge is going to be that on and off-ramp aspect and then bridging the real world with the crypto world um and then the let's call it inter crypto bridging um that that's probably going to come at a later stage
0: so I mean the biggest the biggest challenge has always been that on and off-ramp right and because you have different banks with different requirements how, I mean, you've been walking this path for quite a while now, and it's been, I'm sure, very interesting from that perspective. What is the general sentiment around that process? I'm not asking for any secrets, because I'm sure there have been a whole lot of aspects or a whole lot of, like, challenges, and obviously an infinite amount of variables that you've had to overcome. But, I mean, where where is the future of that or how does the future of that look like, not only for Unstoppable, but just in general, in terms of like what's happened in the in the US, you know, with the last kind of like banking debacle and the rest of it. Yeah. What are your kind of like ultimate reflections around this?
1: Specifically for like uh, crypto and fiat integration, you mean?
0: Yeah. Correct. Um,
1: okay. So... I think one thing we have seen is that actually quite a few for example, the banking partner that used to support crypto projects or or crypto applications have kind of taken that off their websites and uh, are very skeptical around that and are not really interested to um, provide their services for a crypto oriented business. Um, But I think that's more of a short term, like almost knee-jerk reaction to some of the regulatory stuff that had been going on in the us or or to some extent is still going on but um we also now see that I mean crypto in general is already too too big to be ignored anymore or to completely shut it down and we like recently we saw that that now BlackRock is supporting the idea of uh getting or integrating crypto into their world in the into their threat world and in their case, now in the form of a spot ETF. Um, and that just shows, or I think it shows to me and, and it foreshadows basically that this is gonna change again. Uh, in the EU, EU, we have the MECA uh, regulations coming into play next year. Um, they are very, um, a very uh, worked out framework, like legal framework um, that will answer a lot of questions of what's possible or what's not possible or how things have to be done. Because I think the main main thing around regulations and crypto so far has, has not necessarily been that the regulators are uh, forbidding us to do certain things. In a lot of cases, it's just that it's not clear what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. So the clarity, I think, is the most important aspect. And we are seeing that happening now in the EU. And I think it will happen probably sooner than later in the US as well. That there are going to be some changes around uh, certain uh, chair positions of some three letter companies. Um, And then uh, I think that the overall sentiment on that will also change Um, and that will open the doors again to uh, and make it much more attractive to these established players in the tradfi space to really uh, offer their services and their integrations again to crypto focused businesses. There still are some out there who are interested in working with crypto oriented businesses uh what we have seen is that a lot of times they are significantly more uh expensive than the quote unquote regular banking partner counterparts and that is one of the challenge challenges we see that uh for example from again like a a business perspective uh if you have like high costs through the banking partner for example uh you have two options either you pass on transparently to your user base or you pretend that everything is uh free the account is free and uh, the cards don't cost anything and paying doesn't cost anything and all of that and then you somehow need to make back your money if you want to have a functioning business so basically uh yeah you're rugging your users on exchange rates or on some fine print somewhere um and that's Gonna be one of the challenges, I think, because a lot of users, like for example, with the neo banks, users are used to having everything free. But we also see the neo banks um, uh, implementing more and more their premium accounts, for example, and and trying to get users onto that where they pay again for the services, just because almost all the neo banks are losing money. <laughs> like even the big ones, even the ones with millions of users, they 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 are all losing money. They don't have a functioning business. And it's great if you can offer a bank account and a credit card for free, but if it's clear that you can only do that for a limited amount of time be- before you run out of money and have to shut down, then it's a shitty business model, or it's not a business basically by definition, right? So um, I guess that's going to be one of the challenges that that we also will have to face. Uh, users are users willing to pay for it because we say, listen, these are the costs. We are not making any money on that. We're just we we don't want to pretend to have a functioning business that needs to shut down in a few months because we are running out of money. Um, or are users that used to getting everything for free that they wouldn't even accept that, uh, if, if an account costs something or a credit card has a monthly fee or something like that. Um, that's going to be something we will have to look into and see, uh, what the market sentiment is and then find a good solution for.
0: So, I mean, it, I mean, you obviously speak about like the EU primarily because obviously you know, it's, it's like that's where you are based and that's your understanding of what it is that you need to do is centered around the EU. And I saw that yesterday, which is obviously a very topical conversation around the UK and the FCA, where they issued a whole lot of warnings to a whole lot of crypto companies. And it was like, it wasn't like we are now going to sue you. And obviously, that comparison was drawn up between, you know, the SEC and the way that they have approached it versus, versus what the FCA are doing in the UK. And even though even though it's like, you know, that's it's it's like it's happening, but it seems like it's happening in a positive light. And it's it's almost like it's not far off where we will have a clear understanding as to, you know, what is gonna be required and what the parameters are and more importantly what it is that you can and can't do. And obviously I would assume that Europe would would almost follow in parallel. You know, it's kinda of like We know that Europe is very efficient from that perspective. Sure, it might take a while, but I think at the same time, we are reaching that point where the lines are being drawn. And obviously, that is to everyone's benefit in the crypto space, because then you know what you can and can't do, or more importantly, how you need to conduct your business, and it will be great to be able to interact with protocols like yourselves that allow for the on and off ramp. You know, you just then do not become reliant on central exchanges where if you are moving a large amount of money, you feel like you might get rugged And, you know, a couple of people have been rugged where they can't get their money out because of some kind of like KYC issue or the rest of it. Um, I think, Nick, the, the, the big question at the moment is, even though we are very much, you know, pro-decentralization and the rest of it, is it safe to assume that we would never be able to move away from the idea of KYC? And that's to a certain extent, people will still have to KYC um, in light of what's happening in, the, in in EU regulation at the moment. Um, hmm. <laughs>
1: All right, so, so one thing I also want to make clear, like uh, with Unstoppable, we clearly separate the on-chain part of the protocol which is going to be decentralized, permissionless. It's going to turn into a DAO sooner or later. Uh, we want to hand off control. It's going to have immutable contracts. It's going to be real crypto, no KYC, no regulators, uh, none of that stuff. But we do see the need for the on an offering part or where we want to integrate in the real world that, uh, that we have to run a different playbook. And then it's a different circumstance. And uh, on that side, I, I think, as you say, there's uh, also a lot of advantages to working with regulators or in a regulated space. So the bridge part and the bridge entity, they are gonna be fully uh, in the regulated space uh, and the on-chain parts are gonna be completely on the on-chain side of things uh, for us internally. Now, uh, I also think like when it comes to regulations and KYC, AML, all of that stuff, um, we also have to be careful on the on-chain side of how much of that are we accepting because otherwise, sooner or later, if if Ethereum is going to turn into a CDBC effectively with like some regulator having the keys to take all your money, freeze it, block it, steal it, whatever, then we might as as well just uh, shut down that that experiment of blockchains. Uh, So on that front, I think we we must not compromise on on the real core values of the space Um, now again, on the other side, on the threadfi side. First of all, for now, we have to play by the rules, definitely. Um, but I, I'm sure you know the statistics around AML and how much um, uh, illegal activity that's actually uh, preventing. And the answer is pretty much zero. So there's a yeah. huge overhead in costs when it comes to KYC, AML, and user experience um, that that really costs a lot. Um, and at the same time, we, we pretty much know that it is effectively like zero effectiveness in, in preventing any illicit activity. So in an ideal world, the regulators will also catch up to that and, uh, we'll agree that we kind of can, can try some different stuff on that front. Um, yeah, for now it is probably not gonna happen. So for now we'll play by their rules. Um, but if we get a chance to try and push the boundaries or, or, um, uh try some new things uh there's recently been a new paper around privacy pools uh, which is basically the uh the successor to the tornado cash principle where your transactions are private but you can prove that you haven't interacted with for example a terrorist wallet or something like that um so that's a really interesting concept uh if we can push more in that direction for example I think that's really good because uh, it covers or it answers all the questions that the regulators might rightfully have while at the same time still <laughs> protecting the privacy uh, and the fundamentals uh, of the users. So um, that's something that I would hope we can explore a bit more uh, and and focus on more uh, over these outdated and inefficient policies but um, maybe that's also a bit of wishful thinking for now yeah.
0: That's a really good answer. Um, I think it is like you are being mindful of, you know, what, where compliance needs to happen and where decentralization needs to also flourish and, 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 and and grow. And and it's, it's, it's really important that because at the end of the day, it, it does come down to, you know, those discussions around privacy and, and the importance thereof, you know, and, and, and I think that those discussions don't happen enough in the space. Um, we kind of just take it for granted like that our privacy and uh, our, you know, and the most important thing is our ownership of that isn't really respected as much in the greater scheme of things as I think that it should. Um, and it's great to see that you guys are considering all the options. Um, just to kind of like round everything off um, in terms of the third pillar, and probably the most important, and also, I would imagine the most challenging, is obviously, you know, the wallet, which obviously then trans transposes into, you know, the 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 mobile trading platform slash wallet. Um, tell us a little bit about that in terms of like where you guys are at, and um, I won't hold you to any timelines, but how is that looking? And you know, how's the development of that? and also the testing of that and is there a chance that i can get in get in on that and check it out
1: yeah absolutely um yeah so uh, over the past few weeks and now one two months uh, we already um spent quite some time on the tech side of things there are some fairly significant challenges around uh, getting the tech to work in the way we think uh, it should work and it needs to work for for the vision we have to come through. Uh, But we made good progress. Um, I shared some of that as a sneak peek uh, a few days ago on Twitter. And um, we are now basically uh, improving or fine-tuning that POC and then uh, working working it um, or using it as a foundation and bringing it from the proof of concept where it is right now to an actual um, mvp and then uh, beyond that into into a real product and uh, yeah if you have a phone here then i'm gonna send you a link and you can just give that a try um because that is the current uh, proof of concept that we built around that and uh I guess there's two ways how we could play that. Either I'm going to tell you everything that's going to happen and then you try it, or, or you're going to try it first and then I explain what, what happened in the background. Uh, which one do you want to go
0: with? I wonder, I'm just wondering whether you can bring something up. Is it possible to bring something up on screen so we can actually see it work the same way that you did um, on Twitter? So if you are, if you are listening or watching, um, you can go and see the post that Nick made on Twitter mm-hmm. Um, and on the unstoppable account, he also did it on his personal account, 0 Nick. But I think maybe if you could bring something up um, on 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 the app here, and then we can just see what it is that it's yeah, doing. Okay. Love to see we that. Can
1: try that as well. Um, let me see.
0: I mean, I know that that obviously like one of the big things at the moment is you know, account abstraction and, you know, bringing or bridging that divide between the complexity that is DeFi and the simplicity that is kind of mobile technology and and taking away, you know, the the whole, um, there we go. You know, the whole kind of like, you know, how do we, how do we like do custody? How do we do this? How do we do that? And you, obviously, are trying to eliminate that now and bridge that divide, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, so basically, yeah.
0: I'm just going to walk walk
1: through it once, and then um, we can cool. uh, or I'm going to explain a bit what's happening. So basically, uh, you, you get this app. You install this app, uh, ideally, on your phone. Here, it's now running on, on my computer, um, but uh, not going to be a big difference we're going to ask for a username or potentially an email address we haven't made the final decision on that yet and then uh, you click one button and what's going to happen it's going to ask you for a biometric uh, sign up so in this case now it's going to ask here for the fingerprint on your phone it would ask for your face id or your fingerprint or your uh, pin code um then we basically sign up here this now creates uh, a private public key pair um, on the secure chip of your device, sends us the public key in the back background and the private key is always on your own device and never leaves that. Um, then we're being here forwarded on what is now the proof concept here. So what we're going to show is, is a simple swap here between some rep keys that's sitting in that account, um, and some USDC. So in this case, let's say we want to execute a swap. Again, the biometric uh, pop-up comes in this case, asking me to sign this. And here we are seeing a bit, seeing a bit what's happening. So we, we fetched some swap details from the backend, uh, waited for the biometric sig- signature of the user. Then we, we use that ac- account abstraction that you mentioned. We submitted the signature to a backend that was relaying it. And then the transaction is relayed um, and brought on chain. And in this case, uh, here we see now a transaction was successful and a link to the Explorer. So here we see uh, the Arbitrum testnet. Uh, So right now this is running on Sepolia Arbitrum. And as you can see, uh, 35 seconds ago, we did a real uh, blockchain transaction uh, that swapped some wrapped ETH into some USDC. Of course, only mock uh, values since it's testnet. But yeah, this is basically it. And the cool part is just how fucking simple it is. (laughs) Like On a scale of one to 10, if you can enter an email address and click a button and use your phone in the context of like face ID or fingerprint, then then that's all you need to know to actually execute a blockchain transaction. And um, I can go into a bit more detail of what's happening in the background here, because one of the really cool elements of this is that this this transaction that happened here is as secure or more secure than what you probably have as your setup right now. Ideally, I hope you have a cold wallet, uh, um, a hardware wallet um, that's connected somehow then when you want to execute transactions and you need to review it on that device and stuff. But what's happening here is the private keys, they are sitting on the secure element, on the secure chip of your phone or in this case, the computer, and they are never leaving it. In the context of iOS or macOS, these are even automatically backed up. Um, In Android, I'm not 100% sure yet. We we are looking into that. But um, at the same time, we are not just relying on that uh, created key pair. But in the background, we are providing a smart contract wallet that will allow us. to even more precisely fine tune the permissions and the security of that entire thing so basically with this anybody that can use a phone can have a super secure quote unquote wallet but uh, as you see uh, in this case like the user all the sign up was was enter your username or your email yeah. and then do one one face id or fingerprint um, what you didn't have to do there is you didn't have to learn about crypto. <laughs> you didn't have to write down a seed phrase. You didn't have to uh, back up a private key. You didn't have to connect your wallet to some website with some RPC. You didn't have to switch networks. None of that. Um, it's as simple as possible and still uh, super secure. And that's uh, like I knew this would be cool once we get it built. But the first time I actually had it up and running and tried it, it it was really mind blowing. Like, holy shit, this this is how Crypto UX should be because it's not crypto anymore, yeah. right? It's not Crypto UX. It's, it's basically just you sign up and then you can do stuff. Um, and we are not cutting corners on the security side. There is some apps out there that maybe from a UX perspective are doing something kind of similar but they usually, they, for example, generate like a a, a private key in the JavaScript code or in the client-side code of the app. And then they store it in a place that's not really secure and it's not backed up properly. Or if it's backed up, then they are using some multi-part computation where the protocol holds two of the three shards that you need to restore the key. So it's not safe custodial at all. In this case, there's none of that. Like the the private key sits on that secure hardware wallet basically that's built into your phone. And the smart contract wallet behind it allows us to, for example, also add your cold wallet as a backup in case you absolutely use your phone uh, or you lose access to your keychain and things like that. So um, yeah, this has huge potential (laughs) in my opinion. And that's also the reason why we are now going all in on that. And really, uh, uh, with that, we can provide a, a UX for crypto that I haven't seen before, uh, like that.
0: Cool, I love it. Um, uh, what I said, what I said before we started the stream now stands even stronger around your prowess as a developer, and it's really cool to see you get excited about it. Um, Definitely like a kid in a candy store. There's no doubt about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so this, cool. Uh, well, yeah, this, this is, is really, cool. really the yeah. primary reason why we started Unstoppable, and now things are starting to come together. We did a lot of like groundwork and infrastructure work and building where there, yeah, was was uh, just work that had to be done, and that's uh, not easy for us, but also not easy for the community when there's not a lot of uh, outside progress happening. But we've been putting in a lot of work and now these things are starting to come together and it's going to pay off and um yeah i'm sure when, when you try it uh, uh you you're going to smile as well probably <laughs> uh, cool. especially compared to this kind of uh onboarding and and setup now with uh with, with what we have today like uh, i mean if we give this to anybody that can use a smartphone they are going to be able to create an account and to start doing things there. Yeah. Um, if today we are going to go to anybody who has a smartphone and tell them, OK, so you're going to go and do you download MetaMask and uh, then you're going to back up that these 12 words somewhere, but don't lose it and don't do it uh, digitally, but write it down, but don't lose it. Um, and then you're going to open your browser and connect to the app. And then you're going to switch apps and sign that thing. in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. Uh, how it currently is. So mm-hmm. uh, this, I think, is really the thing that opens the door for growing the market, for getting more users in and um, giving them abs- access to the opportunities of this space. So, yeah, I am excited about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a firm believer that if you have... A goal and an intention that is focused around making things better. I mean, I know that this sounds completely esoteric and maybe even cheesy, but I think if you do have the right intentions, um, you will eventually find your way there. And I think that in many ways, I'm seeing that with your journey and what you guys have done. Um, really, I'm not trying to be cheesy here, but I have seen that and I've seen how you guys have have grown around this intention that you had from day one. And that's why I wanted to chat to you today. It's it's like, you know, I didn't plan this. This was just the intention actually, ironically was to actually get exactly what it is that we saw, particularly in the last 15 minutes of our conversation. And it just is a testimony to just do what you think is the right thing to make things better. And and I think the result will happen. Um, Maybe it'll take longer. Maybe it will happen quicker, but th- th- that's not relevant. What's relevant is that you're getting to where you guys want to get to, and it's super cool to see. And um, yeah, we look forward to seeing more of it. I'm going to definitely try this, and maybe sooner rather than later, there'll be an opportunity for us to to share this with um, other members of our community and whoever else is keen to, to try it out. Um, Absolutely, so for, that's if, the plan. Yeah, cool. Um, We're
1: Yeah, we're going to do a lot more like iterative uh, development on that one. So we're going to start with really early versions that like this proof of concept uh, doesn't do much, but it already shows the direction and what's going to be possible. Um, It doesn't have the best UI yet or UX and stuff. But uh, yeah, we want to do a lot more of that where we uh, build one feature after another. And even if the app in the beginning is almost empty and only has one one of the tabs it should have, we want to roll that out and uh, let people try it and give us feedback. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely going to have an opportunity to, to share
0: this uh, soon. Cool. Um, Nick, on that note, thank you for, for taking the time out. I know that you are ridiculously busy and it's great that I could steal an hour of your time. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we'll get you back on once this thing develops even more. Um, yeah, thanks for your time and really appreciate it. And
1: thank you, it was uh, fun as always. And uh, yeah, always always good talking to you.
0: (laughs) Sweet, likewise. Cheers, take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us.